We are ready to go to have an intellectual conversation. Uh, again, I'd love to have you over here, Monday, because you are one of our high intellects in the office. <laughs> you, you make me look good. Uh, so we're going to talk about an appellate court decision today that's uh, entitled Brubacher or Brubaker, I don't know, and Strum. And uh, it's a 2022 case, right? Was this published in 2022? Oh, well, yeah. It was certified for publication right in the beginning of the year. Okay. So this, yep. is, the, this is a hot off the press, brand new Spagan. You know, people out there have never heard of this. So uh, we're going to give you a glimpse as to what 2022 is going to look like. Uh, tell us about the, the facts of this case. Okay, sure. No problem. So uh, the facts of the case were um, obviously husband and wife going through a dissolution had twin um, twin boys. Um, actually, I don't know if they were boys. They had twins going through a dissolution um, at the same time as, or close to, within weeks of filing for the divorce, wife also files for a domestic violence restraining order. Now, this this occurs in Los Angeles County, right? Correct. And we won't, don't have to go through all the names, but when you read the decision, you know most of these judges that are named in this here, the trial judges. Yes. Okay, which yes. made it more interesting for us, but go ahead. It definitely did make it more interesting. <laughs> um, so she files, wife files for dissolution at the same time she files for a restraining order. Um, while the dissolution is still going on, so think of it as two different matters, they enter into um, an agreement for some um, stay-away orders between a husband and wife. So the first restraining order gets resolved sort of by— Can we, can we stop right there? I, did you read that to think that that was a non-clutch restraining order or like a, an agreement? That's it, how I understood it because yeah. then she filed for a second one. Yeah. So I, I think that's what it was. So, so our listeners should understand that um, there was a technique or a trick that people used to use, and that is, is we're not going to really agree on a— we're not going to have a domestic violence restraining order because we don't want to uh, have that on somebody's record or anything like that. But what we're going to do is we're going to agree that the offending party will stay away 100 yards, will not have any contact directly or indirectly, shall not uh, harass, threaten, or you know, follow, stalk, anything like that. We'll put that in a regular stipulation. Both parties will sign it. The judge will sign it. It will be in the court file, but it won't go into the clets and things like that. Well. We've been corrected. Uh, the, the whole profession was corrected to say that the code says that that's a protective order. And therefore, I don't care if you put it on a, on a napkin and it gets signed by the judge. That's a protective order. And that's what seems like happening here because it doesn't really talk about, you know, what we – it doesn't read the way we normally do about somebody going in and, and obtaining a domestic violence restraining order, right? Right. They called yeah. it a stipulated temporary protective order. Yeah. So at first I thought it was uh, maybe something uh, in between the time of the actual hearing comes around for the permanent restraining order. But, no, I think that just resolved the first restraining order that she had filed. So then she filed a second it, it one. It could have been this other thing, I guess, where, you know, there's a TRO, and the husband's attorney says, look, we're not fighting it. But why don't we work something out so that it gets dismissed after a certain period of time? So we'll stipulate to it, you know, something like that. I maybe, because it, yeah. it said he's to stay 100 yards away from the wife, except on school activities, and he, he, he couldn't contact her except in connection with custody of the kids. So Okay. Well, I don't know if that's even, all the stuff that I'm saying is even germane to the case, but I, I found that interesting. But go ahead. 
Okay, so that was in November 2017, so not much after that, a couple months, uh, beginning of 2018, Y filed for a second restraining order alleging that husband was violating the terms of their stipulated protective order on multiple occasions. He was stalking her. He was monitoring her using a nanny cam, um, harassing her verbally, um, lashing out, things like that. So... Um, there was an actual hearing on uh, the second restraining order, which resulted in a two-year restraining order protecting the wife from the husband. And, and the judge in that case, uh, who I want to name, but I won't, uh, he made some comments about you know the seriousness of the offending party's conduct, right? Yes, I think what he said was it was situational because of the divorce so he felt like two years was enough because once the divorce was finalized then they wouldn't have to interact and and she wouldn't need protection from him and oh he was wrong right (laughs) you know I think that we always hope you know and and judges want to be fair they want to look at both sides and understand that it's emotional and stuff but this particular judge thought you know what this is not something that this man normally would do he's probably not going to do in the future so he entitled it situational and you know based upon his, that finding that it was situational he didn't give a five-year restraining order like he could have instead he said two because the courts have that discretion yes, right correct. okay okay um at the same time wife was granted uh sole physical and legal custody of the kids um, and why would that be well because of the presumption in the family code there um 3044 yeah yes. yeah now i don't know if there has to be a sole legal custody, but certainly sole physical custody under under the code. So, you know, there's a finding. That means that he can't have 50% custody. He can't even have anything near that, all right, because he, there's a finding of domestic violence. Now, is there a way of getting around 3044, the presumption? Yes. So it's, it's a presumption, so it could be overcome. Uh, there's various factors that uh, is listed as under the code that you know, if you do these things, then the court might consider these in determining whether you overcame the presumption. Anger management classes? Yeah, anger management, batteries intervention. Um, parenting, honest, parenting classes? Parenting classes. Individual even, therapy? Even just the passage of time. Obey and, all laws. Yeah. Generally a good guy. All that yeah. good stuff. And, and none of those <laughs> things are required. They're just, they're kind of suggestions by mm-hmm. the code, right? Like you said, after the, co- the court doesn't have to find that that happened, but those would be good things for somebody to yes. do if they get a restraining order, right? Yes. And they want to restore their physical custody. So that's what kind of, that's a state that they're in in 2018. Now mm-hmm. what happens next? So keep in mind that the dissolution, the divorce is not yet finalized. Okay. So um, what happens is in May of 2018, um, so maybe six months later or so, um, wife goes in and says he husband has violated the terms of the two-year restraining order. Um, basically, he was abusing um, the our family wizard, which is what pro- the program they were using to communicate about the kids that he was. Um, using it to scold, admonish, and reprimand you know, her. You know, we've never, I don't think on the podcast, really talked a lot about things like Our Family Wizard, but there's now a variety of uh, computer applications that allow parents to communicate with each other. Uh, there's Our Family Wizard, Talking Parents. Do you know of any other ones? No. M- uh, my wife Maria sent me one that I guess there's now a thing that's called co-parenting. Well, because people can't just text or call anymore. Now they need. <laughs> well, I was thinking, how many of these apps do you have? And they're competing, you know, with one another. 
I think that the talking parents is practically free or something. I love our it is family free, wizard. Yeah, yeah. I love our family wizard uh, because it's got a lot more bells and whistles and stuff. But they're all great, and um, you know the the idea of the app is is not only does it provide a platform for these people to talk to each other, but they could be monitored, right? Mm-hmm. And if you post something on one of these things, you don't get to press the erase button or anything like that or come to court and go, look at these messages, but leave out all the rest of them. And quite frequently, we attorneys get access to those because that's mm-hmm. allowable, and we could kind of watch it, or the court could even do that. So that's what these people have. They're on Our Family Wizard, and this guy is not peacefully communicating about the well-being of the children, right? Correct. He's making some uh, statements. Yes. Okay. And then what happens? So this is a different judge, not the judge who issued the restraining order, but um, you know, a commissioner who I'm assuming was uh, handling the case in the home court. Um, she said that uh, this constituted a violation of the restraining order. And number two, she limited the scope of the our family wizard communication so it was less than what it was before so he wouldn't continue violating the order i think i missed that part of it so that that was in it was that like the may of 2018 yeah may. okay mm-hmm. all right i missed that part so then they in 2019 they go into court right yes so the family so the case is still going on during this time the dissolution and finally on july 23rd after a couple of days of trial um there's a different judge now the trial judge uh, issued a final disposition in the case uh, a final decision and one of the main issues was whether the dad had overcome that 3044 presumption we were talking about earlier um what did the judge say there so the court found that he did not meet his burden of overcoming the presumption and that having joint custody at least at that time would not be in the best interest of the kids Okay, and so he said, let's see, wife was still negatively impacted by the husband's abuse, and the husband's inability to control his anger had been detrimental to the children, right? Is that that was part of his, his thing? And he, he, yes, he, you know, so he's basically saying, look, sir, I'm not going to find that you've overcome the 3044 presumption, giving you more time, mm-hmm. okay, because you lose on that. But the judge made a statement during this that ended up being the big issue what did he say so he said that although he did not overcome the presumption he did not violate the terms of the restraining order the two-year restraining order that was in place at that time that he complied with the terms of the permanent restraining order and he he had not committed any further acts of domestic violence since the order had been issued basically what the judge was doing was just kind of like going through what he believed he had to look at in order to determine if the 3044 was presumpt was was overcome, mm-hmm. uh, the presumption was overcome, and so he kind of said some nice things about the the husband mm-hmm. while he was denying him. Is basically what was exactly going on. okay. Exactly. Then what happened? Then um, a final judgment on the divorce was entered in November of 2019, um, and in October, um, so about a month before that happened. The wife filed a request to renew the domestic violence restraining because order. Because we're going now, we're outside of the divorce, mm-hmm. right? Which we just talked about. We're talking mm-hmm. about the restraining order mm-hmm. and going back. It was only two years. Yes. So when the you know, last time they were in court, they weren't there for the purpose of getting a new restraining order or renewing it. Mm-hmm. They were there regarding custody of the divorce. But shortly after that, now they're in court. Correct. And she says, "I want to extend it. Correct. I'm not asking for a new one, but I think that the expiration date." 
was uh, not good enough, and now I want to. So can we talk a little bit about what happens when people do that and some of the basic rules yes. of how to get that? So um, first of all, you could, within three months of um, the expiration of the restraining order, you could file a request to renew, and it could be renewed for five years or permanently. Isn't um, that incredible? Permanently. Yeah. I, okay. So three year, within three months? Three months, So yes. that means that you can't come in earlier. Um, well, actually, the wife in this case did go in a little early, but uh, nobody said anything. Nobody said. So the court of appeals said you didn't say anything about it, so it doesn't matter. But if, if she was called on it, she would have been wrong because you can't go in. I didn't. I didn't know that that, that until I read this. Mm -hmm. By the way, so it has to be three months before. Mm -hmm. And I know one thing is you can't ask after it expires. Once right. it expires, you're done. Right. If you didn't put in your request before that, right? Mm -hmm. But but also, even though it was just a two-year restraining order, if the court grants it. The minimum is five years, and it could be up to life. Up to life, yeah. Which is which is powerful because we know that a lot of judges will just say, uh, you know what, counsel, you've met your burden, but I'm just going to do it six months restraining order or one year. Mm -hmm. That person could go back in front of a different judge, you know, a year later, and boom, they got a lifetime or a, you know a five year. So it's a, it's a very powerful code. Yes. And that's what this man was facing. So what happened next? So I think it's important to discuss the um, the legal standard. Uh, by which the courts are to decide whether to renew the restraining order or not. And that is whether um, the restrained person, or I'm sorry, the, the victim, I guess, um, has a reasonable apprehension of future abuse based on um, the conduct that could have been in the initial restraining order or um, things that happened after it. Um, so it's kind, it's kind can, of murky. Right. It's kind of vague. I, you know, right. it's it's weird. But, you know, what you're talking about is really the crux of not only this decision, but we've seen a lot of them, is what does it require to mm -hmm. prove in order to get that renewal? Because mm -hmm. we know that you're not asking for a new restraining order, right? So you, you're not really coming in and saying, I got to prove, my, you know, by preponderance that there's been additional domestic mm -hmm. violence. The code says that that's not required. But it says that you have to have this reasonable apprehension of future. fear, future mm -hmm. fear, uh, and, and it could be based, you know, on the underlying incident, right? Yes. I mean, if that was like if it was a very serious incident, they're, they're really doing the reasonable person standard again, I think. Exactly. Right? Under similar circumstances. Exactly, and you don't have to show that the person violated the restraining order either. That's not required. Okay. Now let's assume that there was no violation, but the restrained party was doing certain things that would make you nervous. Mm -hmm. You know, had you been the victim of that person, did we see any, any of that in this case? Uh, I, I think we do, yeah. I think that definitely happened because, um, like we discussed, you know, he was using this talking platform to harass her and he was being nasty during the custody exchanges. Things that wouldn't necessarily get you another restraining mm -hmm. order, but certainly, you know, kind of acting, you know, uh, aggressive again, right? Yes. You know. Okay. So, so what happened in court? Um, so, husband or his attorney filed two motions in limine, which basically are, hey, keep this out of, uh, dismiss the action because of these legal or procedural flaws. So, um, the first motion in limine, I believe, was not really discussed because they agreed to. Um, they wanted to exclude some messages on Our Family Wizard, which the, the wife agreed to. Um, the second motion to eliminate, which is the reason for the appeal, was a little more complicated. So they sought to um, exclude. You know what, for our listeners, what's a motion to eliminate? 
Oh, um, oh, I thought I, I thought I touched on that. In did the you? Beginning, but I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you did or not. To but keep, to to say, hey, the, throw this case out because um, there's you know procedural defect or they shouldn't be allowed to present exclude evidence because of these legal reasons. So it, it's it, it is what it sounds like. It's in limine, meaning that it's before we even get into yes. the evidence of this case and stuff. You're saying, judge, even before we, you open up the door for the. For the litigation here, I've got some motion to exclude, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about at that stage, right? Right. So they were trying to exclude these messages, which the wife said, fine, I agree to that. And then the second one was um, they were trying to exclude any testimony from the wife um, of any evidence regarding allegations of abuse, Um for a specific time period, which was they were trying to exclude everything uh, basically up until uh, the point where the family court had issued its decision in the divorce. So Can we go back to that now? Yeah. Explain what that was. Yeah. So they were saying exclude everything that happened previously. You can't talk about the abuse that occurred before the restraining order, um, the abuse that caused the restraining order to be issued, or anything that might have happened after that up until... Um, February um, up until I believe it was the summer of 2019 when the family court issued its decision, final decision in the divorce. Yeah, and so the legal term that they're using to make this motion eliminate is mm-hmm. what? What's the what's the legal claim? Uh, I believe it's collateral estoppel. Yeah, or um, issue preclusion. Issue preclusion. Right, yes. and you know we're not going to get into a, a very detailed analysis of that, but something we learn in law school. Mm-hmm. But I think just for our listeners, again, the folks that are just maybe barely hanging on to this, is, is that that judge who in the divorce case said, I'm not finding that there were any further domestic violence incidents mm-hmm. since the restraining order went into effect. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, I'm denying the the uh, you know the increase in custody because you haven't rebutted the 3044 presumption. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding that there were no other incidents that's what they're talking about. They're saying that this judge already decided that during that time period there was mm-hmm. no domestic violence. And so they're saying, issue preclusion, judge, you here later on can't or should not retry that issue because it's mm-hmm. already been decided. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now you get the, the fun part is to talk about how the Court of Appeal dealt with the issue preclusion because it's very, very wonky yeah. in my mind. Yeah. It's it's a little complicated. Um Well, the trial court actually, so the wife's request for renewal was denied because her, um, the evidence she was allowed to present, um, the court felt like was not enough to meet that legal standard of reasonable fear. Um, So it was denied. So so the trial court granted that Mm -hmm. motion to exclude. It said, you're right, this is issue preclusion. So you're precluded from doing that. Ma'am, call your first witness, but it's got to be really recent evidence here. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. So she was limited to a specific time period, and she testified, and the court felt like, you know, the things that had happened were, um, didn't put her in reasonable apprehension or reasonable fear, so it was denied. She appeals. She appeals. She timely appeals, and um, the Court of Appeals reversed um, because it held that. Um, do you want to get into that now? Or? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. T- take a shot at it. I don't know if I could do it, so I'm, I'm dependent on you. Um, I'll try. So okay. what the court held without getting into the specific, like, you know, uh, factors as to um, what, know, issue preclusion what, is. what issue preclusion is, basically what the court said was um, – the trial court, the issue of the trial before the trial court was whether the dad had overcome 
3044 presumption. The issue at the renewal hearing was whether um, wife had met the burden of showing she had reasonable apprehension or reasonable fear in the future, and these two are different. Apples and oranges. Exactly. So they're different issues, and she shouldn't have been precluded from presenting evidence um, before, after, during the time of the original restraining order, and that could have, though that evidence should be considered. Um, so the court has to. Um, that was the, the the instructions on remand were, um, you know, she has to put on the evidence, consider all of her evidence as to the abuse, and then decide whether it's going to be renewed. Yeah, so so the Court of Appeals said, I'm sending this back to the trial court. Now you have to listen to the evidence because the issue preclusion was wrongly decided. Mm-hmm. She had the right to put on this evidence. And by the way, when the judge made the comments about there being no uh, evidence of domestic abuse. It wasn't really like he was f- making findings of fact anyways. I mean, he was basically saying, I'm not aware of any. But more importantly, is apples and oranges, right? Mm-hmm. I, so what's the practical application of this case? You know, for, for me, I'll go, I'll go first here. I'm thinking that for, for a, when you get a reissuance, you kind of get to go back in time mm-hmm. and talk about the underlying issue because that's what it's saying. You can't preclude... Uh, you know, testimony of what the person underwent, you know, it, because you want to talk about the gravamen of the original offense. If mm-hmm. this was a, you know, a really serious physical assault on a victim, mm-hmm. uh, there's got to be some reference to it because that's what the court has to kind of decide, right? Mm-hmm. Unless there's stipulations to that. You also get to talk about all the other things that have happened since then that would cause a reasonable person under those circumstances to be fearful, right? Yeah, exactly. The court and the Court of Appeals said that the existence of the initial order certainly is relevant to the request for the renewal, and the underlying facts and findings supporting that order will often be enough in themselves to provide the necessary proof to get a renewal. So. Yeah, so there's some circumstances. I've heard enough. I mean, why wouldn't you be fearful, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, you have to ask, if you go in front of that same judge, then you go, why did you just make it two years? <laughs> you know? Right. right. But, but uh, you, you know, what I look at this is is that currently the county of Los Angeles is inundated. I don't know if this is true throughout the state of California or throughout the United States. But our courts are inundated now with hearings regarding restraining orders. Mm-hmm. I mean, they take up a lot of time. You and I have done some that have lasted five, five days. Mm-hmm. And they're more complicated and more f- heavily fought than many of the criminal cases that I prosecuted or defended against. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very, very gnarly. And that costs money. You know, you've got the court reporter, oh, yeah. the bailiff, the judge. You've got, you know, people inside the courthouse, you know, arranging for the paperwork and stuff like that. And then the attorney's fees, of course, related to that, but mostly the strain on the system Mm -hmm. to the point where recently uh, there's been some pushback about, you know, uh, not every case is going to be a long cause matter. And we're we're getting pushback from the Superior Court because of this stuff. But that kind of, you know, conflicts with this where it says you get to put on this evidence, Mm -hmm. you know, so what do you think is going to happen? I don't know, because like you said, um, many judges are uh, limiting the time you have to present evidence. Which so is impractical I, a lot of ways, because, right. like, you know, I have a case right now where the judge said, um, counsel, you think this is going to last just a just a day? Well, this is going to last three hours, no more than that. And I'm thinking, OK, I'm talking about my, you know, my examination. My own witness is going to be a, an hour and a half. 
And then I know cross because people can't get enough of cross, man. That thing's going to last two or three hours, right? Good luck in making that a three-hour three estimate. I, I mean, what it, happens if, if you're not finished with your case in chief? Yeah, that, I, I think I might have told you this. I was telling, I think, Stephanie, that there was a judge in Orange County. He was calling Fast Eddie. Yeah. He would do <laughs> entire uh, jury trials in a day. Okay, call your number. Okay, you're done. And he'd just rush it and stuff like that, and the people would get done. But, you know, I don't think that's justice. I mean, in a particular case like this where, you know, they're saying that justice is you get to talk about the past, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting, you know, and I think um, I think that what they ought to have in L.A. County, if anybody's listening could care about my opinion, is, is they may want to think about getting a court system for just domestic violence cases. You know, people that are, are victims and even people that are wrongly accused are and should have the right to be able to put on their evidence. I mean, the, the consequences, which we're not going to talk about in this one, are severe you know they, they especially when you're talking about custody and support and mm-hmm. things like that the law it could come down on somebody really hard you know and stuff and so why don't we give these people the time to really try these things i understand the system is you know buckling right now but somehow some way we've got to come up with a different system i think i agree you know so all right are you ready for your next domestic violence case <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, you did a great job again. I think we're going to talk about this in our attorney training tomorrow because this is a really important case, and you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for attending or listening to our podcast again, and we'll see you next time. 